0: back in here we're going to open back up in hebrews chapter 11 where we had our reading tonight and as you know from there i will have the verses on the screen but as you know from there we're going to run back into the book of judges pick up where we were uh... last week a bit of a review and then we'll finish our uh... sermon series off uh... tonight hebrews chapter 11 and verses 32 through 34 again the bible tells us and what shall i say more or what shall i more say For the time would fell me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant, and fight, and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Again, we're going to be looking tonight again, finally, the famous Gideon, whose name means warrior. And we'll begin to address what we find in the mighty battle of Israel's deliver. Again, let's bow our heads, if you will. Father, again, we ask that you would bless us tonight. We pray that you take our, our message, Lord, take the word of God, take your message, and apply it into our hearts. I pray that we'd search our hearts, our souls, this evening, dear Lord, and find if throughout these tests, before the battle was even lain, throughout these tests that these men went through, dear God, Allow us to ask ourselves where we would be found, where we would be found should we have the test of courage, the test of cautiousness, Lord, and and help us tonight be filled with the uh, the spirit of confidence and let us move on, dear God, in the battle that we have every single day, a spiritual battle for you in this life. Lord, we love you. We thank you we praise your wonderful name and ask for your help this evening. In Jesus Christ's name we ask. Amen. and amen. So last week we closed and again seeing the set of numbers from week one and two we saw that uh, that test of courage if you will we saw that that test of courage where 22,000 people showed up when when Gideon had sent the message out to to come and and fight the battle with us so we can fight against the Midianites fight and deliver Israel from uh, their oppressors and and we see that that there was a test of courage because God said you know what there's too many people you're going to receive the glory you're going to receive the credit you're not going to need to depend on me. And so they, he just had a simple question. Of all of you out there who are afraid and fearful, go home. And 22,000 of them in one single test, one single question left and went home because they were fearful. The Lord still had another test for them. The one, he had another test for them, and it was a test of whether or not they were cautious enough to go into battle, and whether or not they would have your six, if you will, whether they would be there for their fellow man. And, and God said, I want you to send them all down there and have them drink water. And uh, the ones that stick their face in the water and don't have a concern of those that are around, those you're going to send home. The ones that lap it up and, and are continuing to be cautious and look around to protect their fellow man, those are the ones that are going to stay. 9,700 men would depart because they only were concern with themselves with carnal things if you will so it was the test of carnality the test of courage and 300 men were left to be considered tonight what are faithful faithful men and so as we begin to close this sermon series down I I want us to stop and I want us to just to look over the past uh of this being the fourth week of the past three sermons and 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 look at the The depth of of what uh, courage is, what it means to be courageous in this life, and and we have it's easy to go back in the book of Judges when times of war and times of battle, and you see, uh, you know, great men. I mean, here was. Here was a Gideon showing up and he was just a young man and he's there in the wine press threshing the wheat and, and, uh, and the, the angel of the Lord shows up with the appear, appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and it's a theophany, if you will, it's what he's known as. And he, he, he shows up and he says, thou mighty man of valor. Here's a guy in hiding, threshing wheat, for fear of the Midianites. Yet God says, thou art a mighty man of valor because God knew what he was going to do with Gideon once he went through this test and once he established his army. So when we look back and we look at these tests of valor, these these tests of courage in the Old Testament and even throughout history, it's sometimes it's difficult to relate with that because we're not men and women of war today. We're not getting up in the daytime and putting on a, a physical armor. We're not putting on... On a sword or carrying a weapon in our hands. And we're not going into battle here in the United Kingdom here in Wales. We're not fighting for our life every day. We have a very soft living in the world that we live in today. And so some of you may sit here tonight and think, where is courage found in my life? If God would put me to the test, where would I be found? Would I be the one saying, yep, I'm afraid, and be sent home to go home to mama, go home to cook, or or whatever that's going to be? Is that where I would be found? And I want to say this to you tonight, guys. There are things in our life that require courage, greater and and, and, more, and even beyond sometimes of that in the midst of battle. I, I believe it takes it takes courage to raise a child, to raise a family. It takes courage to be a parent. It takes courage to take the stand as a parent or as a husband or as a wife or as a son or a daughter. It takes courage to take the stand and do the right thing. It takes courage to stand up against, say, your friends or your co-workers when they want to do X, Y, and Z, and you say, no, that doesn't line up with the Holy Scripture. I'm not going to do it. It takes courage to be the one to say, hey, I'm happy to stand alone, Amen. The Apostle Paul very clearly said that at my first answer, no man stood with me, yet the the Lord stood with me. That's where courage comes from. Is your faith tonight, is your faith strong enough tonight in the holy, written, preserved, purified, perfect Word of God? To be able to stand by yourself in the midst of your workplace, in the midst of your family, your friends, wherever it may be, and take a stand on the truth of the Word of God. That's going to take courage, amen. I've done it. I'm sure that you've done it. And you know that it is a great and strong t- test to say, I'm not going to be part of the crowd. I'm not going to do what 90% of everyone else is doing. I'm going to do the things that are pleasing to God. That's what I'm, That takes courage, my friend. Concern and being, uh, or being concerned of yourself more concerned with other people than yourself we saw that group that went down where 9700 of them just stuck their their face in the water and they drank the water because they were only concerned with their own personal needs it comes right back to understanding who and what god is and that he will take care of your personal needs. I preached out of John chapter 6 this morning where the Lord Jesus Christ had, had, uh, had told the people that followed him, and they only followed because he had a full belly from the feeding of the 5,000, which really was 20-something thousand people out of uh, five loaves and two fish. And so you know, they followed him, and they, you know, he rebukes them a couple of times. They rebut, and then he comes back, and he says this. He says, you know, he, said, he says, a labor not for the meat which perisheth it. We know what that is. That's the meat that we eat every day. Whether it's fish, whether it's ham, whether it's whatever it is that you eat in your life. And labor not for the food for what you're wanting today. That's going to give you a meal for the next, a full belly for the next two to three hours. He said, but rather for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life. And that meat is a spiritual meat. I I told our church this morning in... Up north, I told our church this morning, that that, that circle in your Bible, that first word "meet" in that verse, and I said, to draw a line out, and you need to write carnal, temporary, right there. Because we all know that we're more than likely going to leave here. We're going to have some type of meal tonight, and we're going to wake up tomorrow morning. We're going to be hungry, aren't we? We're going to eat a breakfast tomorrow. My wife's convinced that I'm always hungry, and I am. I'm hungry right now, you know. But, you know, we're going to eat breakfast in the morning, and then about an hour or two hours, maybe three hours later, our stomach's going to grow. We're going to get hungry. That's the meat that perishes. That's the carnal meat. That's our that's our desire. That's our, our needs, our sustenance for right now, this moment. But the meat that comes from heaven, the angel of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who comes down here and gave his life for us, that's the meat that endureth unto everlasting life. My friend, you have 300 people that were concerned with their fellow man. They wasn't concerned with their personal needs at the present moment. They were concerned with how can I make sure my fellow man are protected. That's the ones you want to go into battle with. Those are the ones that were cautious. Those are the ones that were courageous. We find those 300 men that God gave unto Gideon to be faithful men, people you can count on. It was just the preparation of the battle. It wasn't the battle. and we find that a three hundred man regiment would now go against a a battalion that is said a three hundred man regiment would now go against an entire army, a, an entire nation, if you will. And we find that there was a test yet just or not a test but a a blessing, if you will. After they were found to be faithful, a blessing of confidence. So they were found to be courageous. They had courage in their life. And, and again, I said this last week just in review that that word confidence, guys, is found 38 times in 38 verses in the Bible. And it appears, I'll give you two verses as a reminder from last week. It appears in verses like this in Proverbs 25 verse 19. Confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. That word confidence, from right there, Proverbs twenty-five nineteen. that means trust or refuge. May I say this to you tonight that you need to understand that if you put your faith and your trust in someone who is unfaithful, it's going to hurt you. A foot out of joint. We've, I even, I even referenced, uh, referenced Jacks last week. She went to D&E cause she hurt her ankle, right? It hurt. Did it not? It was painful, wasn't it? Yeah. When you have a, and it wasn't even a foot out of joint. And, and, uh, poor Robin had, he had his turned all the way around, uh, you know, and, and playing rugby years ago. He was, he was face down His his toe was pointed straight upward. And uh, that's pain. It hurt. I guarantee you it hurt. And that's what, that's, that's what God says. If you put confidence in an unfaithful man, If you put trust in your refuge in an unfaithful person, they're going to hurt you every single time. Every single time. Confidence, my friend. We find the Apostle Paul in Acts 28, verse 31, says, Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. No man forbidding Him. Now the word confidence there in the New Testament, guys, is defined as freedom in speaking, unreservedness in speech. In other words, just like I said last week, plain speech. My dad taught me that plain talk is easily understood. And so we need to understand tonight, as we begin to, to get into this final portion of this series this evening, and we're looking at these men who were chosen, this wonderful man, Gideon, who is whose name is Warrior, is the fact of the matter is that Satan is afraid of believers who whose confidence is in the Lord. He's not afraid of people whose confidence is in a religion or or in a set of works that they can do. He could care less about that. matter of fact, he is the driving force in works-based religion. He is. My friend, I'm here to tell you right now that we need to understand that we saw the confidence last week that was given unto Gideon as a result of the Lord providing a dream to the enemies of Israel. Gideon would hear this conversation concerning the dream, and it was from that point forward. Those courageous men, Gideon himself were able to sum up the confidence, and we'll just read it real quick, and Judges 7 verse 13 says, and and when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow, and said, behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian, and came unto a tent, and smote it that it fell, and overturned it that the tent lay along. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. Guys, his heart was settled from this point forward. He, he had looked out there. He had sent the messages out all throughout these uh, select tribes. And, and 22,000 men show up, which is a huge, uh, huge uh, group. of. I mean, 32,000 showed up. 22,000 went home. After that, 9,700 of them departed, and he was left with 300 out of the original 32,000 people that were there. And so just like Gideon, who was blessed with over 300 men full of courage and commitment as a result of their confidence in the Lord, guys, we tonight can exercise The very same confidence, the very same courage, the very same commitment in our life. Because we have the assurance that God has given us. And I don't believe many of us, many a times, have really bought into that type of confidence of what God has done for you and I. The things that he has really done for us both. What he has done in our life and what can be done. And how we can have that courage. Again, like I said, it takes courage in life to do the things that we have to do many a times. It takes courage to be a parent. It takes courage to be a husband, to be a wife, to be a son, to be a daughter, to be a business owner. It takes courage to stand up and say, listen, I'm going to be counted if it's just me standing up. I'm going to be counted for the Lord Jesus Christ. And why can we do that? 1 John chapter 4, 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Man, I tell you what, you ought to write that table. You write that verse on the table of your heart. And when this world gets dark and when problems come your way and when irritations come your way and struggles come your way and when fear begins to meddle inside of your life and, and uncertainty begins to come over here, you need to take a step back and say, hang on a second. Am I fearful? Am I going to run home to mama? Am I going to run home and, and become a cook? Or, am I going to do that or am I going to stand and fight? Am I going to have the courage? Am I going to be committed because I'm going to trust this word over what I see in the world today? And i got the confidence because I'm looking right here. I'm looking at the Holy Scripture because greater is He. That is in me, than he that is in the world. This world's got nothing on you. This world's got nothing on any of it. If you got Jesus Christ inside of you tonight, there ain't nothing this world can do. Labor not for the meat that perisheth. Labor not. So our final two points this season, uh, the, this evening, and we'll we'll close this sermon series out. We find that our test of confidence, our blessing of confidence, if you will. It's seen only, listen very carefully here, and this, this is probably going to be a, a word that, uh, that many of us don't like to use. Because, you know, we want to be our own people. We're our own people. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. You know something, 51 years of my life, I'm, oh, someone's always going to tell you what to do. All right? Yeah, but I'm going to retire. No, a tax man's going to tell you what to do. Okay? Uh, the police officer, are going to tell you what to do and how you're going to drive. You're always going to have somebody telling you what to do. That's just, that's life. And so we find that this test of confidence, this confidence that Gideon was able to receive. God said, go down there and I want you to listen to a conversation that they're having. And that guy said, I had a dream. There's a barley loaf, which is the weakest of all uh, bread that there is. It rolled down the hill. It knocked over the tent. And that boy that listened to it said, that's nothing more than Gideon, the sword of Gideon. Oh, my soul, we're in trouble. That God that they serve over there, he's given us all in to his hands. We're done with Boy, Gideon came back with all the confidence in the world, but that confidence is only seen in the midst of compliance, guys. In the midst of compliance. Judges chapter seventeen, or Judges 7, and uh, verses 15 through 19, the Bible says, And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream, and the interpretation that, uh, thereof, that he worshipped and returned to the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hands the host of Midian. And he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand. And an empty pitchers, uh, with empty pitchers, and lamps within the pitchers. Verse seventeen tells us. It says, "And he said, uh, and he said unto them, Look unto me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with a trumpet, and I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpet also on every side of all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon." So Gideon, the 300 men that were with him, came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. And they had but but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. Well, I tell you what. Compliance. How how does that factor in? The Lord said, listen, if you want confidence, you're going to have to go down into that enemy's camp. Those people that hate you, you know the same people just moments ago you were over in the wine press afraid of threshing wheat? You know the guys that when I when I came, when I first saw you, when I came and I called you a mighty man of valor, and you started going, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I'm from the weakest tribe, and out of the weakest tribe, I'm the weakest family, and everybody, I'm the runt of the litter of my entire family. How am I? I'm over here afraid. I'm, I'm just trying to thresh wheat so I can get a little bit of a meal. And now God says, I want you to go down into the midst of the camp, and there you're going to hear some people talking. And he did say unto him, if you're afraid to go by yourself, take your servant with you. Take your buddy here. And he did. He took him with him. God gave him two options. Go by yourself or go with this guy. He didn't give him a, there was a third option he could have chosen. And that was no not go at all. You see, he could have said, eh, I'm not gonna go. I'm just gonna be a servant, rest my life. I'm gonna be a slave, you know, I'm not gonna go. He gave him two options. You can go with your by yourself, you can go with your servant. There's always that option. Do you know the problem over here? When you say, well, I'm just going to choose not to choose, you you don't have that. You have the choice, this is not going to make any sense to you, I understand that, because it doesn't make much sense to me, but I know it's true. You have the right to choose, but you do not have the right not to choose. Because no choice is a choice, but once you make the no choice, you can't choose the consequence. Does that make sense to you tonight? And that's where Gideon was. And he's like, look, man, you, you said I'm going to be the deliverer. You called me a mighty man of valor, and now you want me to walk down in the midst of the night, in the midst of this camp, and just listen to someone? <laughs> Eavesdrop on the conversation, and something's, I'm supposed to get something out of that? He went anyway, didn't he? Compliance, my friend. And so when Gideon comes back, he comes back to the army of 300, and he says, look, this is the battle plan. This is the strategy. You're going to get you a, a trumpet over here, and then you're going to get you a, a pitcher. This is a terracotta clay pitcher, if you will. And inside that pitcher, you're going to put a lamp. Now, in my mind, I, you know, I think a little kid's Sunday school class going, this little light of mine, you know, I'm going to let it, sh- wait a second, where's my sword, my shield, give me a tank or something going down. You know, that's what Gideon should have been saying. I'm thinking, uh, Gideon in his mind is saying, where's my weapon? You're giving me a pitcher, you're giving me a lamp, you're giving me a trumpet? What am I trying to do, shine a light on myself so they can hit us in his mind? Give me a sword, give me a shield, give me something. Instead, he got a clay pitcher, a lamp, and a trumpet. But remember, as Paul said, the weapons of our warfare they're not carnal. We could be the strongest people, mentally, emotionally, and physical, on the face of this planet. It's not going to help in the midst of the spiritual battle that we have in this world today. Our weapons of, war- of this warfare are not carnal. Here are 300 people who did not question. Number one, let me stop for a second. Gideon, when God said, go do this so you can listen to that dream, get the confidence that you need, he went down there, compliance now you have two. Now you have him coming back saying, "This is what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to be the Midianites. Going to be delivered in our hands. We're going to have freedom. It's just right around the corner." God has given us these people, so I want you to take a trumpet, play some music. I want you to take a pitcher, a clay pitcher, and I want you to take a lamp. And not one of these men do we ever have a record here of these three hundred men who are faithful, who are filled with courage, who have commitment, who have the confidence God has given them. Not one of them. Question his leadership, question his strategy. They did not doubt, they did not bicker, they didn't call for a meeting. They simply complied with the order. And it's the same thing with our Bible, beloved. If you want to get a blessing out of the Bible, you're gonna to to pick it up and read it. I like the old saying, usually put on marquees in churches and it's in the states typically, but you know, a dusty, worn out Bible is usually owned by someone who is not. You know, guys, we need to get it up. We need to open it up, we need to read it up, and we need to obey it. It's that simple. A life of compliance. We find this little man who was, guy was just threshing wheat. God showed up and said, you know what, you're going to be the deliverer. You're a mighty man of valor. This is who you are. Everybody else thinks you're weak, but this is what you're going to do. And he said, okay. He complied. My friend, when we trust in the Lord, we can have the victory in our life. We can have it, but you know what it's going to take? It's going to take a faith that is full of courage. It's going to take a faith that is full of commitment. It's going to take a faith that is blessed with confidence because of the compliance. And lastly, tonight, if you're going to have that victory in the battle, guys, there's going to have to be a confession. That word confession comes from a Greek compound word, and it simply means to agree with, to agree with. It's one of the reasons that we, when we read Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that it is so vitally important. Somebody say, give me one verse that will lead somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans ten nine, That if thou, if, that's a small word with a big meaning, that if. That is your conditional word right there. If, this, when you see that if thou, if you've you got to get past that point. So there's the condition. What is the condition? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord. Now, I'm going to stop right there. I know the rest of the verse, and I'm going to quote it here in just a moment. But if you cannot agree that Jesus Christ is Lord, Lord meaning God, God of all, you can't get to the salvation bit. That if thou shalt confess of thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You say, preacher, how can he be God and raise himself from the dead? Because he's God. It's that simple. It's a holy trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ said that no man taking my life from me, but I lay it down. And if I lay it down, he says this, I will take it back up again. I love that part. to my talking about confidence. I'm sitting there talking to Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate said, hey, i got the power to, to set thee free. i got the power to, to kill you. <laughs> you don't have any power at all unless it comes from above. And if somebody takes my life, you're not taking it. I'm going to lay it down. And if I lay it down, by the way, I'm going to pull it back up again because I'm going to die for the sins of all mankind according to the scripture, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to be buried in the grave, according to the scripture, Paul says. And by the way, I'm going to rise again victorious, according to the scripture. There has to be a confession there to acknowledge, to agree with. Judges chapter 7 and verse 20, this is what we find here. The Bible says, And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers, and held the lamps uh, in their left hands, and the trumpets in their right hand, to blow with all, and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Now I've heard some people some Bible correctors, Bible haters. And you guys know me well enough. I'm, I'm a Biblicist. I believe every word, every jot, every tittle. I believe every punctuation mark that is in there that God put it there for a reason. And they say, well, why did they say and Gideon? You guys remember that dream? The little barley loaf rolled down the hill and knocked the tent over. And the guy said, man, listen, that barley loaf is nothing but the sword of who? Gideon. That's the sword of Gideon. We're done with. So when those, when those boys took that trumpet and they blew that trumpet and they bloke, broke those pitchers and they're seeing three divisions of these 300 men, one over here, in here, one in the middle, one over there, and they see that whole valley light up. And those trumpets echoing off those mountain sides. And then that shout, the sword of the Lord, that's first. Oh, by the way, remember that dream? End of Gideon. Beloved, I'm here to tell you tonight, just the right moment he smashed the pitcher blew the trumpet and the torches were lifted up. They confessed the sword of the Lord and of Gideon and with 300 voices in one accord absolute pure terror went through the camp of the Midianites. There's three things that we see here in the midst of this confession. We see that trumpet represents a sure vitality. A sure vitality. First Corinthians 14.8 says For the trumpet For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to battle? Paul is likening that unto those who will say things that make no sense, or or they will say things that don't come straight from the Bible, just their own interpretation. And he's saying, how do we know what to do if if it's not a clear presentation, if you will? You see, in the in the, in the the Bible days, the trumpet was used. They would sound a trumpet. One would be for retreat. One would be for the battle. One would be for the second portion of the strategy. There was different th- sounds of the trumpet that let all the soldiers know what to do next and when to do it. And Paul's telling us the very same thing in our life. If it's an uncertain sound, who should prepare himself for the battle? The trumpet's been sounded, guys. And the trumpet is clear. It's a represent- representation of the sure vitality. The picture, my friend, the picture, very important, reveals sacrifice's validity. Second Corinthians 4, verses 6 through 12 says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the, of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, watch this, in earthen vessels that the excellency, that's your body, by the way, Adam means dirt, it means, it means dust. Adam means red, it means dust. Adam was created from the dust of the earth. And, and so our bodies are likened unto an earthen vessel. And he says there that we have this treasure, that treasure is the Holy Spirit of God, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power uh, may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, yet not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always buried about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Guys, this is our earthen vessel. And we have the light of the Lord Jesus Christ inside of us, but our lives must be broken for him. Just like that picture. Our life must be broken for him, so the light of the Lord Jesus Christ can shine forth into this world. Man, I go back to week two. I go back to that test of commitment. What are you concerned with tonight? Is it all about me? All about you? Are you going to go down and get that drink of water and shove your face inside that water so the next predator can come your way and bite your head off? I told you guys stories. I, I you know, I grew up in Florida. I grew up, uh, alligators all over the place. I mean, we see them all over. I mean, they were just that was nothing. It was just an alligator, you know. And uh, but I, you know, you know, when you see the alligator, you should never be afraid. It's when that little head goes, and you don't see him. That's when fear should set in. Because they quick. They run up 45 miles an hour in short stints. I can't run that fast at all. I don't want to run that fast. Uh, I'm saying this to you tonight, guys, that our life can't be summed up just about ourselves. They took those pictures out. People said, why in the world is he taking pictures? Because it represents us, broken for Jesus Christ so that his life, can shine forth in the world. My, my life is not lived; it should not be lived for me. It should be lived for others. People want to. We we like the little acronym about what joy means. It means Jesus, others, yourself. That's the order of life: Jesus first, others second, and then yourself last. And there's nothing wrong. It's great. This little Sunday school acronym, I understand, but it's it's good. It should apply in that in our life. And that's what we see the victory here tonight. We see the the representation of the pitcher uh, in their hands when they broke the pitcher. It's a sacrifice. Sacrifice is validity. And lastly, we find that lifting the torch, it reveals a steadfast victory. In verse 21 of Judges 7, it says, And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. Watch this. And all the hosts ran and cried and fled. No knives, no arrows, no cannons just the glorious light shining out of darkness, putting the fear of God in people's lives, stood there. Guys, you know what they did? Can you think? just think about it. We're almost finished, guys. Just bear with me. They stood there, compliant, full of confidence, no sword, no shield, no catapult, nothing, but a pitcher, with a lamp inside of it, and a trumpet. He said, we're going to trust you. Our confidence is in the Lord, because the Lord has spoken to you, Gideon. We're going to break these things. They broke them, and they didn't even have—they didn't even have a pitcher they could throw at someone. They had a lamp. You know, the Carmat would say, "Well, you're just shining a light on here. I am. No more darkness. No more hiding. No more—no more element of surprise. Done with it. That's not what it was. God was going to get the glory for this, and God should always get the glory. They stood there, regardless of what the enemy may do. Regardless of the reaction of the enemy in that valley that night, they stood there. They stood, and they waited to move. This is a warrior, my friend. This is what warriors do. is They listen, they trust, and they obey what God has given us. And Gideon is a man who is a warrior by all accounts, but not because of his ability. Like I said last week, it was most important, most of all, because of his availability, so we've got to ask ourselves tonight, as we steadily close, what time are we setting aside for the Savior of mankind? Each and every day, do we allow our minds to be occupied at some sort, sometime, by the Lord Jesus Christ? Or do we allow everything of the day to occupy our mind, our hearts, our thoughts, our desires? The next thing on the tick list, next thing in the book... Next meeting, next schedule. Do we allow that and we just put God back over here? Say, well, you know, I'll meet with him on Sunday. He meets with us more than on Sunday. But we need to take time. We need to set time aside and stay in the battle day after day if we're going to follow the pattern given by the warrior, Gideon. C.H. Spurgeon said that faith laughs at that which fear weeps over. Faith is the fountain and the forester. Of obedience, Gideon's faith stood the test of courage. It stood the test of a commitment, which passed down and granted him the gift of confidence, followed by the soul's compliance coupled with a, comp- a confession. And because of that, my friend, because of those things tonight, he was victorious. He was victorious, and you can too if you'll follow this suit. So, are you courageous tonight? Are you committed? Do you want the confidence? Those choices are yours. But you're going to have to be compliant. And there must be a confession. It'll be bow your heads this evening. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and time for the night. We thank you for the message, Father. We thank you for your holy scriptures. I ask you tonight, dear God, that as we ended on that final point of a confession, my prayer, Lord, would be this simply. I pray that any soul, Lord, within earshot of this sermon, be it present tonight or be it via online or weeks, months down the road, if their confession for the Lord Jesus Christ into salvation has not been sure and sound, I pray that conviction would set in for their dire need to accept Jesus Christ in the free gift of atonement tonight. Move into his or her heart and life, Lord, touch and bless in a way to bring them unto salvation, dear God, in a mighty, wonderful way. And, Lord, I pray for those knowing you as Lord and Savior this evening, that you would help them look to the life of Gideon, look to the life that you have blessed this man with, that you used as a mighty deliverer of the nation of Israel from their oppressors, and apply this very pattern of faithfulness, this very pattern, dear God, of faith in his life, that we can apply in our own to be victorious every single day. We ask these things in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I hope and pray that the preaching and teaching of the Word of God was a blessing to your heart.